Welcome to season 2 of Mimble Wimble the Harry Potter podcast. I'm Aishwarya. I'm Prashanthini. On this podcast we'll be reading and discussing the Harry Potter books event by event. We're right now on book 2, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, and today's episode is called Ron comes to Hermione's defense. The episode covers chapter 5, The Whomping Willow, chapter 6, Gilroy Lockhart, and a little bit of chapter 7, Mudbloods and Murmurs. Let's start with the summary. When Harry and Ron realize that they cannot get past the barrier at platform 9 and 3 quarters, they decide to take things in their own hands. They decide to fly Mr. Weasley's car to Hogwarts. At first exciting, the car journey then turns uncomfortable and dangerous. Ron loses control of the car and it rams into the Whomping Willow in the Hogwarts grounds. After being beaten by a tree, they get caught by Snape, who wants to expel them. Dumbledore intervenes and helps let them off with a warning and a detention. The next day, Ron receives an exploding letter from Mrs. Weasley, and Harry receives a lecture from his new teacher, Gilderoy Lockhart. Both of them disapprove of the way Harry and Ron arrive to school, but for very different reasons. Harry discovers that he has a capital F fan, Colin Creevy, a Muggle-born first year. Ron discovers that Hermione has a crush on Gilderoy Lockhart. After their first lesson with him, Harry and Ron are almost convinced that he is a fraud. Gryffindor Quidditch team's captain Oliver Wood calls them for a practice. There, they discover that Draco Malfoy is a new Slytherin team's seeker, thanks to the generous donation his father made. Hermione points out that he was not selected for his talent, which provokes Malfoy, and he ends up calling her a nasty word, mudblood. That's when Ron, armed with a broken wand, goes to Hermione's defense. Wow, a lot of things happen over the course of these two and a half chapters. Yeah, I think it's because they are like just arriving to Hogwarts and which is where the real plot usually starts. Yeah, J.K. Rowling has to set up a lot of elements that she's going to use in the future and introduce a lot of new characters as well. Yeah, like Colin Creevy and Justin Finch Fletchley. Am I saying that correctly? Yeah, I think his name was in the first book, but he gets introduced in the second book. Even characters like Gilroy Lockhart, whom we have already met. before this particular chapter this is the part where we really get to know gilroy lockhart as yeah. a teacher as a bad teacher as a wanna be mentor in act 1 we see gilroy lockhart and we make a conclusion based on what's happening there and in act 2 you're like convinced that he's a fraud maybe i remember reading this uh, second book and thinking that there is going to be some redeeming quality or some twist here definitely So yeah, maybe it's the right word. <laughs> anyway, let's get yeah, to the point where Ron and Harry discover that they can't get into Platform Nine and Three Quarters. Yeah, and the time's ticking away, and train's about to leave. So there is not a lot of people milling around in Nine and Three Quarters past eleven. Not a lot of uh, visiting people, which I find is very surprising. But because I'm sure that every year at least one person misses the train because they're late. Yeah, I'm sure. Are magical people always punctual? I just think that Harry and Ron acted quickly without ever thinking about literally anybody else in that situation. They think, okay, what if uh, Mr. and Mrs. Weasley can't make it back to the platform? Then they just completely forget that train of thought and think, oh man, we have to get to Hogwarts. Wait, there's a magic car here. Let's just take <laughs> the car. They don't think of literally any other possible solution. Like they could have waited for another ten minutes to see if Mr. and Mrs. Weasley couldn't make it onto the platform. They are adult wizards. If they couldn't make it through the barrier, I am sure there are other means through which they could have come onto the platform. There is a time within which you have to get to the train, but it's not the same for Hogwarts. If you are like one or two hours late to the feast, I think you'll be fine. Yeah, <laughs> and there are other ways to get to Hogwarts without taking the train. Yeah, they don't think a lot for yeah. sure. Ron does ask Harry if he had Muggle money. Mm-hmm. I don't know where he was going with it, but that train of thought, like you said, just like gets cut short because they get really excited by the car idea. Actually, I want to dispute the word "they" there. Ron gets really excited by the car idea. I think the month he spent in the burrow has really like skewed Harry's ideas of what can be done and what can't be done. Yeah. That he's he just goes along when Ron seems really sure saying, "Yes, I do know how to drive the car. Yes, we can make it." Harry's just like, "Okay." Yeah, but then he's also excited. He's excited. He's not as captivated by it as Ron is. I'm not sure. Ron makes the decision. I think I think Harry is usually very sensible, but he gets captivated by this idea so much that he momentarily stops thinking and because, acts like a twelve-year-old. Yeah, and acts like a twelve-year-old because once this event is over, it's Harry who's feeling guilty. It's Harry who feels bad for putting 
मिस्टर एंड मिसिस वीजली इन अ बैड पोजिशन इट्स हैरी हु फील्स बैड फॉर डिस्ट्रॉइंग द ट्री रॉन इज ऑल लाइक अ रेगुलर ट्वेल्व ईयर ओल्ड ही मेक्स अ मिस्टेक एंड ही इज गेटिंग पनिशमेंट ही इज एम्बेस्ड फॉर द पनिशमेंट but it's not like he really feels bad about what happened that's true his biggest worry in the world is that his wand is broken <laughs> yeah which, which is a very valid one yeah i know but preteens driving their parents' car is like a trope right yeah. if you want to show that they are mischievous that's one of the things they do yeah i remember this one particular scene from modern family where luke and manny take gloria's car i think they know to drive it and straightforward drive it but they don't know how to take a u turn so they drive down a road and then they come back in reverse <laughs> so this is like a trope that many muggle tv shows and books have but since this is magical instead of driving the car you are now going to fly the car this incident with the car i think circles back to a discussion we had back in season 1 about having adventures mm. that you need to be around irresponsible adults to have <laughs> adventures i think you also need to have irresponsible friends <laughs> yeah like, for sure i think if hermione had been there with harry and ron she would have been like let's wait for an adult to come the, the whole thing would have been smoothed over very easily right like mm. if if you have a motto like when in trouble wait for adult you'll never have an adventure yeah for sure which just goes to show even more that hermione and i are basically the same person <laughs> No, I would do the same thing. I it I mean I would have done the same thing at 12. Yeah. Ron actually lays down a pretty convincing case. He knows that I think he predicted that Harry would might not be like completely okay with it. So he's like We start right and we've got to get to school, haven't we? And even underage wizards are allowed to use magic if it's a real emergency, section 19 or something of the restriction of thingy. There I really connected with Ron because that's the kind of vague idea I have about everything. <laughs> I'm not sure if we should call it foreshadowing but the whole planting the car as a means of escape from the Dursley's house so they can arrive to Hogwarts in this car it was a pretty neat like bow you introduce the car and then you use it to move a plot element Chekhov's gun since it happens very quickly I'm not sure if I can use that term for it you can Chekhov's gun is just that you plant something only to use it in the next act One great thing about J.K. Rowling that that I found really annoying when I was actually reading the books was, I paid attention to every little thing that she was saying, especially things like remember all and all that. I thought they will eventually come later in like a very big way, like even characters. Sometimes they are not. They are not any kind of gun. <laughs> It's both disappointing but also very real. And I like that. She does have a lot of red herring leads also, where you might think, "Oh, this is going to come into great use at some point," mm. but it becomes a minor plot element in somebody else's life story. Yeah, remember all is important, but not to Harry. It's for Neville. No, it's like knowing how a remember all works. I thought it lead lead to a place where Harry would have to use a remember all to do something, and because he knows how to, how it works, it's like first book and chess, right? Ah. Uh. when you put some time into understanding how something works you expect it to be useful later but then it's like real life i mean most of what we learn is not going to be useful later so so they start the car and start flying and they are all they are very happy about it but honestly for someone who's been on brooms i don't know how this will be more exciting than that because of all the modes of flying in harry potter world itself i think the car was the least interesting one but you're more comfortable on a car than you are on a broom no yeah you're comfortable but i think flying a car is not going to be very different than the car being on the road but the whole journey is described as if they're doing this for the first time ever it was a different world the wheels of the car skimmed the sea of fluffy cloud the sky a bright endless blue under the blinding white sun but it's just the two of them and they yeah. are driving they're doing something that no none of their classmates are doing and or and george haven't done that. yeah and on their way they're only thinking about what how cool it would be if they land on the yeah. front lawn in the sweeping mill they're not thinking about anything there are no consequences hmm. nothing about like oh if we land there what will like dumbledore say how will we get the car back what yeah. will mr weasley say nothing what if we spot it nothing at all it's just it's just pure rebellion flying is not the part that they're excited about right now because they're have flown and will fly in really cooler ways yeah that's true a road trip starts in a very exciting manner and you're like oh wind in my face and all that but after that you start eating snacks and then 
you want to pee because you <laughs> drank a lot of water yeah. and then water gets over you're like when will we get there it's the exact same feeling that they have when jk rowling is dis- describing the discomfort they're facing you know when the road trip is in progress or mm. should we call this flight trip flight trip yeah <laughs> is in progress the toffees had made them extremely thirsty and they had nothing to drink he and ron had pulled off their sweaters but harry's t-shirt was sticking to the back of his seat and his glasses kept sliding down to the end of his sweaty nose he had stopped noticing the fantastic cloud shapes now and was thinking longingly of the train miles below where you could buy ice cold pumpkin juice from a trolley pushed by a plump witch really <laughs> Was it so necessary to recall that the witch is plump? No, I think it's more like um, there are certain things about home that you like. And one of the things could be that uh, certain people look a certain way and it makes you feel like warm and nice. Yeah, there is someone who serves you food. The very image of them will give you some sort of comfort. And if you see someone else in their image, they will evoke the same feeling. I think that's what she was going for here but when I think of my mom mm. I hardly think the word plump before it also she would kill me <laughs> I should not tell her it's a pro- very popular stereotype that the villains are all always like thin and I mean the heartless people are always thin and uh, tall mm. it's happy people jolly yeah mm. they're always like slightly plump it's true I think we are a little more sensitized to this right now the weight thing but i'm sure that uh, there are other things that she is describing that's also offensive to certain people that we're not calling out that's true mm. we should be careful of that also neither of the boys wonder if the car has enough gas to get them to hogwarts is gas even a thing yeah exactly i don't know what I is the car run so. on it feels like it runs on the magical power that mr weasley has given the car because when it eventually stops working properly it is losing something but we don't know what it is losing it's losing and it's like the windshield wipers are like flailing randomly yes. as on protest and the way ron describes it is that it's getting tired yeah. as though it is a being like yeah. the car and the car even acts like it's a being yeah. which makes me wonder did mr weasley give it magic like did he make it a thing or did he just like power up a battery Yeah, it's not very clear and moreover it's not like a very one off case because in these few chapters there are a lot of items like inanimate objects that are anthropomorphized yes which includes this car trees <laughs> even the, the plant tree, even the tree makes a little bit of sense because the tree is a living being like mm-hmm. plants are living beings but this is a car that was a normal muggle car mm-hmm. and then mr weasley tinkered with it and now it is a car that has feelings <laughs> right like which expresses said feelings also which also makes me wonder why it suddenly goes like full herby loaded type situation is is it because it came to hogwarts like yeah, you think exactly. the hogwarts magical uh, area influence the that. car like harmony keeps saying it's not very easy to get into hogwarts through stealthy manner right hogwarts could be one of the factors that made the car go it could be messing up its magical abilities that's one of the theories even i had oh one more thing that was anthropomorphized is the letter howler uh i'd say it's more of like a audio recording well i was reading up about howlers and it it looked like it's something that's written but once it turns into a howler it 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 the howler just reads the letter in a voice oh. that belongs to the writer but in like a magnified voice that's interesting i always thought miss weasley just recorded herself mm-hmm. and then the howler just amplifies it and the movie version of the howler is definitely anthropomorphized yes, because true. it turns into a, a mouth with teeth yeah and in the middle of um, it even blows a raspberry in, yeah it even blows a raspberry yeah it, in the middle of all the yelling it even like welcomes ginny yes Charles, i mean it understands that ginny is sitting next to ron so harry and ron just dip down now and then to see where hogwarts express is going so they are, they stay on course and then uh, in the movie it's like it turns like really dramatic they dip down once to see there where the train is and the train is like coming right behind them Yeah. Anyway, nothing of that sort happened. And then Harry is hanging from like a door. Yeah. Oh, I forgot that. Yeah. It's <laughs> extremely dramatic in the movie. Yeah. 
But this one, it's just they dip down, they see it. It's moving like a scarlet snake. Hint, hint, foreshadowing Max. <laughs> okay, I don't know, but <laughs> it does look like a scarlet snake from like a boring. So anyway, they have like a boring trip. Yeah. The journey is largely uneventful in the book, besides the exciting beginning of it. Yeah, they just float above the clouds and fly towards Hogwarts. Except it gets dark and they're still going and going, and the car is starting to, like you said, run out of something. We're not sure what it's running on, but it's running out of something. Harry even thinks that he can see the windshield wipers like feebly waving, mm. as yeah. though they're like, "I'm done, I'm done." And then the car starts dipping down towards the ground. Except Once thankfully they are near Hogwarts. Yeah, yeah, they come like really close to the lake. But then somehow they swerve and avoid hitting the building, and they go hit a tree. Ron acts with complete presence of mind. He pulls his wand out and whacks the dashboard <laughs> and windscreen with it. What does he think that's going to do? When they were like, Ron pulls out his wand. I expected some spell. Instead, he whacks things <laughs> with the wand. Yeah, truly great wizard. <laughs> But yeah, they hit a tree, and it's not even like an ordinary tree because it hits back. Yeah. That's the funnest part of uh, the book too that I remember. Ron saying, "Can you believe our luck?" said Ron miserably, bending down to pick up Scabbers. Of all the trees we could have hit, we had to get one that hits back. <laughs> Very true. Mm. But they finally managed to break free of the tree thanks to the car yeah. that starts its engine up again and like reverses and gets out of the tree's reach and then. But it, even as it's getting out of the reach, the tree tries to like pull the roots out of the ground, ground to reach the car and back it. I mean, that what is pissed? Uh, it's a very interesting thing, right? Trees being so violent. What do you think was the inspiration for this? I'm not sure. It could be the ends. Mm. From Lord of the Rings, except the ends are not, not trees. Oh, uh, they are trees. No, they are not exact. Not really trees. They are. They are supposed to be like they are tree herders, and But then they eventually turn into trees. Not trees. I mean, the beings are not trees, but they look very much like trees. That's true. The ends are like peaceful. beings but except when they want to get into battle they can be quite brutal so maybe the ends were an inspiration mm. i really like that one of the branches gives the car a vicious uppercut <laughs> <laughs> so the car gets free and then it's it's really annoyed because these boys bought it all the way from london <laughs> making it cover so many miles that it gets attacked by a tree <laughs> and it's done it falls it opens its doors throws them out throws out the luggage throws out hedwig <laughs> yeah and hedwig is also pissed yeah she just leaves the cage and flies <laughs> off into the night <laughs> i like that everybody else is angry but these two are like oh my god we did a huge mistake and that's when like harry comes to the senses slightly and it's really odd that they saw mrs weasley fly out of handle even when they had a very safe trip with the car to see that and follow it up immediately with uh, using the car to get to hogwarts is a really stupid move and one of the great things about harry the hero harry is that he feels guilty for these things and his momentary lapse in judgment ends up making him feel guilty for the rest of the month I mean, everywhere he turns, he someone or the other is talking about it, and he really doesn't want to remember that he did such a mistake. Ron's concerns are always about how it will affect him, right? When the car like uh, goes away, ignoring them, his first response is, "Oh my God, Dad's gonna kill me! Dad's gonna kill you! What was the plan, Ron? Like, how would you even get the car back to Mrs. Weasley?" Yeah, and he did not think about how it will affect his father. Yeah, even though Mrs. Weasley actually first told them that Mr. Weasley was not supposed to do it, but once they get to Hogwarts, they finally drag their trunks back to the Great Hall. They are on the outside looking in, and there's like a slight info dump that J.K. Rowling gives us. Innumerable candles were hovering in midair over four long, crowded tables, making the golden plates and goblets sparkle. Overhead, the bewitched ceiling, which always mirrored the sky outside, sparkled with stars. When they look into the great hall, they find that Snape is missing, and they are slightly getting excited. They are like, "Maybe he's ill," said Ron hopefully. "Maybe he's left," said Harry, "because he missed out on the defense against dark arts job again." 
Or he might have been sacked, said Ron enthusiastically. I mean, everyone hates him. Or maybe, said a very cold voice right behind them. He's waiting to hear why you two didn't arrive on the school train. Best hero entrance ever. Yeah. So this particular scene from the book was... I don't know who made it, but there is a very cute illustration of two little puppies having this conversation and then a giant dog coming behind them and saying the same, these dialogues. <laughs> it's a really fun image and I have that I'll post it in the website. Yeah, and Snape has way too much fun, way more fun than he should have confronting the two of them because then he takes them to the office and he starts interrogating them. So, he said softly, the train isn't good enough for the famous Harry Potter and his faithful sidekick Weasley. Wanted to arrive with a bang, did we boys? In the movie, this whole scene is played out in a way that Snape is actually angry. He's actually concerned that people saw... Because Snape takes the role of McGonagall and his role in the movie. Like, no, McGonagall comes. But he's the one who gets to like interrogate them also. I, I don't know. I didn't like it. <laughs> I enjoyed this book, Snape, more. Yeah, definitely. He's like constantly smiling and smirking. And he's so confident that they will leave. And then once McGonagall comes in, Harry and Ron realize that they've never seen her so angry. And she's like, can you please explain yourselves? And they try to launch into an explanation when Dumbledore comes in, right? And Dumbledore's interaction is the scariest of them all because as Harry thinks... Dumbledore was looking unusually grave. He stared down his very crooked nose at them, and Harry suddenly found himself wishing he and Ron were still being beaten up by the Whomping Willow. There was a long silence. Then Dumbledore said, Please explain why you did this. It would have been better if he had shouted. Anyway, they launch into this crazy story, and McGonagall's like, you didn't think of writing a letter to us? And, and I think that's what truly convinces McGonagall when she sees how they react to, oh, we could have sent an owl, that these are just really stupid 12-year-old boys. <laughs> and this was not like an a- attempt to like get attention. This is not like an attempt to be cool or anything like that. Well, they were just stupid. <laughs> which is exactly what uh, Snape thinks. Train is too normal for Harry Potter and his sidekick, huh? <laughs> Uh, and I think Snape truly believes that Harry wants all that attention. Yeah. When Ron says that maybe we should pack our bags and Dumbledore's like, you're not getting expelled. Snape looked as though Christmas had been cancelled. I, I don't think he'll look like that if Christmas was actually cancelled. No, definitely not. And then he gets like really upset being like, but they flouted the statute of secrecy. Yeah. They did damage to the tree. <laughs> and then Dumbledore invites him back to the Great Hall to sample some food. Custard. Yeah, I don't think that is something Snape will be excited about. And Snape still leaves and McGonagall conjures up food. Yeah, which is a very nice thing to do. Yeah. yeah. It goes to show also the difference between the Dursleys yeah. and the kind of treatment Harry gets everywhere else. Because when the Dursleys get mad, the first thing they take away from Harry is food. Yeah, yeah here even though McGonagall is like really mad... And stuff. She still like gives them everything that they would have gotten in the Great Hall. Like they get sandwiches and pumpkin juice. I think McGonagall on her own, especially with Snape's influence, might have uh, leaned towards expelling these two. Even though Harry is like integral for her team's success, I don't think that was that would have stopped her from expelling him. No, because she's fair. Yeah, I think that's exactly why Dumbledore also came at that moment. He removed that option out of McGonagall's hands. He was like, you're not getting expelled. You'll get a detention? No, he said, you can stay here and basically McGonagall will give you the punishment. So he made his choice really clear, even when he was not invited. That's true. Yeah. One would say that Dumbledore is displaying favoritism towards Harry, but I think that the people at the highest level, especially headmasters and if they are good people, they're almost almost always more benevolent than equally good people who are at the lower level. That's true. Yeah, but both Harry and Ron feel like they got off pretty easy because Dumbledore says yes, that he's going to write to their parents. But as Harry thinks, if Dumbledore wrote about this incident to the Dursleys, the Dursleys would just be sad. He didn't get more damage from the Whomping Willow. So once Harry and Ron realize that they're not even going to lose points, they are overjoyed, but obviously they cannot show it. Even though they have gotten caught for something, they truly feel like they have escaped without consequences. It's only the next day that the real consequences of the incident, which isn't them losing points or getting retention, but the feelings of the people that they have hurt. 
slash worried yeah start to hit them yeah because that night they have like huge reception by their fellow gryffindors because they think that the entrance was really cool and they cheer them but fred and george are visibly like jealous because it would have been something that they would have been proud of doing and all is well at that point but like you said everything turns downhill the next day right from the beginning when they ron receives a howler that's when we move to chapter 6 gilderoy lockhart and it opens with this very sad and lazy day the great hall's ceiling is bewitched to the sky right i was wondering why they did it because when i was in school the days that were cloudy and like humid are always days that we did not study we did not we were not our concentration was not on learning anything new we were always about like enjoying the day talking to our friends and like getting home early and things like that it's not like you can but we were looking forward to getting home and days that are like hot that's when you concentrate <laughs> i'm sure that for when the weather is like completely flipped when days when sunny days are what evokes those kind of feelings for you uh, i'm sure that sunny days make you not want to learn so i was just wondering why they would try to mimic the environment so much because i think having the environment like a constant throughout will help you with learning more that's true but i think they it's not like they are not able to see the, the great, outside environment at all but it's just the great that. hall is not a place where they learn it's a place where the students interact they eat food there i understand i'm just saying that you can optimize for learning here <laughs> <laughs> and then the owl posts come in and erol just like the car has some steam enough to like deliver the letter but once it delivers the letter it's done it immediately flops like ba- on its back <laughs> poor erol yeah <laughs> neville is able to identify what that let- that red letter is and he's like you need to open it right now or it's going to get really worse he thought for a moment it had exploded a roar of sound filled the huge hall shaking dust from the ceiling Finally, Harry is starting to feel like really, really bad. He's like, Mr. and Mrs. Weasley were so kind to me the whole summer. And this is the position I put them in. And he's not even blamed. That's the worst part, right? If he had stopped it, it would have never happened. Yeah. But he is not to blame here. The, all the yelling is like directed at Ron. I think this part was done better in the book than it was in the movie. Mm-hmm. Because the excerpts of Mrs. Weasley's speech... made me more terrified than the actual speech itself in the movie. Mm. I just felt like the howler wasn't as scary as my imagination. Yeah, it was very comical. Yeah. Just like Mrs. Weasley's first round of yelling yeah. in his book. But it was really funny when the howler screaming Harry's like he tried very hard to look as though he couldn't hear the voice that was making his eardrums throb. So then the first bad news of the, of the day is done. Then they go to the herpology class. And finally Hermione who was angry with them the whole time finally thinks that they got the punishment they deserved and she is perfectly friendly with them again. By the time they go to herpology they are like talking normally and all that. And that's when Harry gets cornered by Gilderoy Lockhart <laughs> who makes the greatest speech ever. He's like gave you a taste for publicity didn't i gave you the bug you got onto the front page of the paper with me and you couldn't wait to do it again harry 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 said lockhart reaching out and grasping his shoulder i understand natural to want a bit more once you've had that first taste and i blame myself for giving you that because it was bound to go to your head but see here young man you can't start flying cars to try and get yourself noticed just calm down all right it's not the same as winning which weekly's most charming smile five times in a row but it's a start and he's so full of himself <laughs> have you ever met someone like you really like Yes. You have like yeah. exactly. Not exactly, mm-hmm. but we know a lot of people like that. We know a lot about. of people like that. I'm just saying that there are some qualities of Lockhart that everybody has. At certain situations, we all become Lockhart. But to be consistently like him, to consistently be so full of yourself and talk about yourself but also be famous. And it's always like you're talking to an audience. That's true. And even in the classroom, he's not teaching, he's talking to an audience. He's performing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and even Harry actually thinks that 
It was remarkable how he could show every one of those brilliant teeth, even when he wasn't talking. So, even though the movie uh, Lockhart is not exactly the ditto of this Lockhart, I think that he embodies these characters really well. He embodies this person who's so full of himself, who thinks he's like the most handsomest person alive <laughs> and the most talented person alive. Just imagine working with someone like that, no? However, Harry manages to break free and he goes to the herbology lesson, which is about mandrakes, which are these ugly baby-like things that have a plant growing, growing out of their head. head. <laughs> so apparently mandrakes are like real plants mm-hmm. that, that are very medicinal and their uh, roots look like they have a trunk and limbs. So it just like got extrapolated into these magical mandrakes. But in the movie... Since it's pretty clear that these mandrakes are supposed to be chopped up and used in potions and you cannot really show babies being chopped up, they may, they try to make the baby as ugly as possible. And it is a very ugly baby. I actually love the herbology lesson in the movie because yeah. they show all the students interacting with mandrakes in typical student fashion, right? Like Malfoy tries to poke it with its finger and it bites yeah. <laughs> his finger. And there's always that one person who doesn't put their earmuffs on properly, never. which is never, and he fails. It's a really dangerous thing to show to 12-year-olds. I think it's related to civilization. They are very cavalier about these things. Yeah. And besides, they have magic. That's true. No matter what happens, they can reverse it with magic. That's true. And also, these things only, like, they only pass out. They don't die. So, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> you should know better. And I completely understand why it's bawling. You pull it out of like a really comfy bed. Like, it's in a pot, it's having fun. And then you pull it out, and then you're like, go into this other pot. <laughs> I would also be really mad. And also, you're pulling me out by my hair. Yeah. I'd so, be furious. That's when they meet Justin Flinch Fletchley. Finch Fletch. Finch Fletchley. Who's, Finch Fletchley. Who's a Hufflepuff. Who's clearly muggle-born. Because yeah. he says that he was down for eaten. So many red herrings. I know. <laughs> and he's heard about all of them. He, he's like, Justin Finch Fletchley, he said brightly, shaking Harry by the hand. Know who you are, of course, the famous Harry Potter. And you're Hermione Granger, always topping everything. Hermione beamed as she had her hands shaken too. And Ron Weasley, wasn't that your flying car? Yeah, but Ron is not <laughs> proud of it. <laughs> yeah, so once they're done reporting, they go to the transfiguration lesson. And that's when Harry realizes that everything he learned in the past year Has seemed leaked to have leaked out. And that's exactly how I felt. Every year, the moment I finish writing my final exams, I forget everything promptly. The next day, I won't, I won't be able to answer any of the questions. I don't know how that's... That should be a talent, right? That's true. <laughs> I completely agree. Ron's also in a similar position, except having much more trouble because his wand is also broken. He's spellotaped his wand back into one piece but clearly it's not working properly yeah every time he tries to use it in the transfiguration class he's like surrounded by smoke that smells of rotten egg i mean how bad can it get this bad they're back for lunch i think that's when ron discovers that hermione in her timetable has drawn little hearts around lockhart's classes (laughs) it's such a cute thing that uh, hermione has a crush but it's so characteristic of her. Is it really? Because Hermione is very sensible that she's usually able to see through people. Yeah, but the only person who she has a crush on is a teacher Mm -hmm. and he's done all these awesome things and he's supposed to be smart, at least from the books, right? That's why I feel like it's so Hermione. That's true. It's not because the teacher looks amazing. Maybe that too. But then she's read these books and she thinks he's an amazing person. He's done these awesome things. I mean, he's like... Harry Potter times 10, but also good looking and a teacher. That's true. This is also when we meet a new character, Colin Creevy, who is a first year, also a muggle-born. We seem to be meeting a lot of muggle-borns yeah. in this particular book. Hint, hint. <laughs> <laughs> During this conversation, Colin Creevy also st- actually stands up to Crab, and it's described as... Whose entire body was about as thick as Crab's neck. And I think the casting was perfect for He's Colin so Creevy. so cute in yeah. the movie, like... His camera looks like so much bigger than him. Yes. (laughs) What I really like best about Colin is that he's very 
unselfconscious about his background he happily mentions that his dad is a milkman and that he's very excited about being there he's taking photographs and that's the number one touristy thing you can do anywhere right yeah. to show that you're new to the place it's to take photographs and to continue to talk about how new you are there and stuff yeah, yeah. i mean he's not afraid to stand out that's true i like that about him usually these type of like nerdy characters uh, introduced in books and tv shows to show as like comic relief mm. sometimes they're not even that funny and they eventually they are disposed of in a way that is usually very demeaning for them but i like how colin previous used here he he actually is kind of important to the plot and it's a very genuine thing harry potter is really famous and someone is bound to be a huge fan that's true i also think it's very cute the way that he follows harry around it also goes to illustrate how nice harry is yeah. that even though colin gets in his way and irritates him harry is never mean to him yeah he, Ron right. would have like just blasted him the, on the first meeting itself. Whereas Harry is very like tolerant of him. It isn't until uh, Ron gets sick that Harry is like like get away, Colin. Until then, he's very tolerant of him. Yeah, and we know that Harry is not enjoying it also. Yes, but then he insists on taking a but, picture and he wants to get it signed by Harry Potter. But having Colin around taking pictures also adds to this whole myth that Harry Potter seeks attention <laughs> because he literally has a fan following him around taking pictures of him. Yeah, and Draco Malfoy chooses to enter at that exact moment. Of course, Malfoy does. Think of think of the current state of mind Malfoy is in, right? He's coming back to Hogwarts. Maybe he wants to check out Harry on the train to see if, like you know, over the summer Malfoy has gotten cooler than Harry, so he can Maybe show taller. it off. Yeah, taller. You know, basically just like rag on them, but he doesn't find them on the train. And maybe <laughs> for a second he's like, yes, they are not here. This is finally my year. Then he gets to Hogwarts. Then they land in a flying car and become like the talk of the school. Of course Malfoy is mad even before he gets the chance to steal the limelight the limelight is stolen for the next <laughs> month by their entrance and then he comes to like you know make fun of them and you know be like ha ah, you got into so much trouble about it ron you got a howl and stuff like that and there is a person being like give me a signed photo harry yeah you seem to understand malfoy's uh, state of mind properly it's clear that he's jealous of harry that you know he's jealous of the fame and he's jealous of how no matter what harry does people still want to like talk to him and you know get to know him and stuff like that whereas i assume that is what he expected when yeah he thought about coming to hogwarts that he'd come there and everybody would want to spend time with malfoy who is a pure blood and he has such legacy mm. every he's so well known and stuff except everybody just ignores him because famous harry potter is there what he doesn't understand is that they don't ignore him because famous harry potter is there they just ignore him because malfoy is not a big deal being a malfoy is not a big deal they also ignore him there because he expects to be liked because he's a malfoy and he does nothing to be liked as himself yeah true so that's when malfoy basically shames harry he's like signed photos you're giving out signed photos potter <laughs> i mean i know that inside deep down he is burning to do it himself <laughs> yes but he he makes a big deal out of it and it, it attracts the attention of lockhart that's also because Ron gets involved like Malfoy as you always you know he's zeroed in on what really pisses off Harry and Ron to Ron it's to attack his family say he's not he's poor and stuff like that so he says Weasley would like a signed photo Potter it would be worth more than his family's whole house two birds one stone <laughs> <laughs> that's when uh, Lockhart comes in and he's like who's giving out signed photos Harry started to speak but he was cut short as Lockhart flung an arm around his shoulders and thundered jovially shouldn't have asked we meet again harry i mean it's just amazing she is written him so well it's so obviously fake yeah but i love it harry is even more annoyed after this conversation with card he goes to the defense against the dark arts classroom and he piles all of lockhart's book in books in front of him so he doesn't have to see lockhart and then ron and hermione arrive and ron's like You'd better hope Creevy doesn't meet Ginny or they'll be starting a Harry Potter fan club. Shut up. Snapped Harry. The last thing he needed was for Lockhart to hear the phrase Harry Potter fan club. I like that Ron is so observant. Mm-hmm. He he knows that Ginny is a huge fan, but he's not harping on it all the time. He's he's not like how we are. If we find find that someone's like really annoyed by something, one of your friends is really annoyed by some kind of a uh 
romantic interest showed by someone else we are not going to let go of that really no, no, easily no. we are yeah. going to rag on them and rag on them until they hate us and they hate hate the whole world <laughs> like the ron is not harping on it like that maybe because it's his sister and he probably thinks there's actually a possibility maybe when they grow up or something but then ron also has bigger problems <laughs> yeah like the broken one <laughs> Lockhart's lesson is definitely one of the best classes J.K. Rowling has ever described because when he starts the lesson, so all we know about Lockhart so far is that he's written seven books and if you go by just the books, he's a super accomplished wizard who's fought with all kinds of magical creatures which should make him the perfect fit for that class, right? It's called Defense Against the Dark Arts. The Dark Arts also include magical creatures and he's, and he's like interacted with the trolls, hags, vampires. It's repeatedly mentioned... over the course of this chapter that Hermione reads a book called Voyages with Vampires and there's something about how he was cornered by a werewolf in a telephone booth <laughs> yeah. and he fought his way out and you're like expecting like amazing things out of him and the first thing Lockhart chooses to do is to not give a demonstration of his awesomeness like McGonagall did in her first class in the first book right instead he says let's see how well you remember stuff about me and he gives them a quiz which is not about how he interacted with the creatures or how, how he even won them or characteristics of the creatures it's about him like what is gilroy lockhart's favorite color it doesn't even say what is my favorite color it says what is gilroy lockhart's favorite color like it's a third person realism oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> so basically when you refer to yourself in third person and this is one of those times when you refer to yourself in third person because you are so important to yourself and then it still seems like you know lockhart could save the lesson because he he's like now be warned it is my job to arm you against the foulest creatures known to wizard kind you may find yourself facing your worst fears in this room know only that no harm can befall you whilst i am here all i ask is that you remain calm freshly caught cornish pixies what does he mean freshly caught <laughs> like he went out that morning and picked them out of the garden or something like that my question is when he knows that he cannot handle them hmm. why did he even bring them to the class maybe he thought the second year class is very accomplished which they are how many clearly figures out how to do yeah, yeah. them or maybe it's just because seamus or dean laughed hmm. and that's when he uh, decides to open the cage and like let them out until then he, i maybe was just going to talk about them i don't know but it's just that it's so stupid and we know that no matter what lockhart is he's not stupid that's true he's very clever in getting himself out of things because in this when the whole situation gets out of control and he tries to like use a curse against them one of the pixies sees his wand and throws it out of the window and he's like i'm done here <laughs> <laughs> the whole class you can see that most of the male students are slowly losing losing their respect for him by the end of it they think that he's a joke and a fraud but none of the female students are shown to be that way because even at the end when they're fighting the pixies hermione is like but look at all the amazing things he's done and ron says the amazing things he says he's, he's done, done. Yeah. <laughs> before we get to the next segment of this episode let's stop for our harry potter story this time we have a story from shruti venkatesh Let's hear it. So one of my favorite things about Harry Potter is that it creates this amazing world of which you can sort of imagine which you wouldn't have really heard of before. So when I was young it was very interesting for me to discover things that I'd never sort of imagined at all and I had a lot of fun sort of creating these experiences around me. So I remember when Chamber of Secrets came out um the book i'd never really read uh, any of the books i just watched the first movie i'm not sure which book came out at that point but i just watched uh, the first movie and then i thought oh maybe i can read these books cause then be more interesting and i'd i'd catch up to what's happening sooner so i was very young but i did read the first two books i think and it was very very cool so i remember i'd go back to school and you know that there'd, there'd be a lot of like these twigs fallen on the ground and i'd pretend to like pick one or two of them up i'd even take some back home and my mom would be like why are you bringing all these sticks back home so i sometimes pretend that i had a wand and you know just play around with them i did a lot of other interesting things so uh, the other thing that i really remember 
well is that you know there was this black dupatta at home so sometimes i just like put it over myself and walk around pretending to be invisible and just like sort of creep people out but it was a lot of fun for me to you know just make up all these situations in my head and i even made a greeting card you know for harry potter after i watched chamber of secrets because i felt you know that uh, it was a nice way for me to sort of channel my creativity it was me being introduced to a lot of things that i hadn't thought of and harry potter that way created a lot of uh, space for me to you know sort of be creative and i think that's one of the first times that i ever thought about a world other than you know what is real so that way harry potter introduced me to magic and creativity when i was very young so that's one of my favorite things about harry potter thank you so much ruti for sending us this story if you'd like to share your harry potter story with us record yourself on your phone keep it to a minute or 2 minutes and send it to mimblewimblepodcast@gmail.com now back to the episode chapter 7 mudbloods and murmurs most of this chapter is about a quidditch practice that harry attends and basically it's described as ridiculously boring because wood wakes them up at the crack of dawn takes them to the changing rooms and then proceeds to lecture for forever so much so that uh, fred falls asleep harry fantasizes about breakfast and when they come out the sun is shining <laughs> <laughs> and fred or george someone they are like why didn't you tell us all this when we were awake <laughs> yeah or why didn't you write it down and give it to them they could read it any old time we know that harry is capable of reading when it comes to quidditch i don't think sports related strategy talks are written down that way yeah sorry <laughs> I just learn better when I'm reading. <laughs> just because someone mentioned Harry Potter's name in the dorm, Colin Creevy immediately hears it and he gets ready and he like arms himself with his camera and he's like Harry, all right Harry. <laughs> I also think Colin's it's a great way to do info dump about Quidditch because yeah. Harry ends up having to explain the game to Colin. I don't really understand Quidditch, said Colin breathlessly. Is it true there are four balls and two of them fly around trying to knock people off their brooms? Yes. said Harry heavily resigned to explaining the complicated rules of quidditch they're called bludgers so it doesn't feel forced like the way hogwarts is initially explained in the book like harry misses hogwarts so she's immediately like long tables food <laughs> yeah yeah this is a very good way to explain quidditch to someone who's probably forgotten and colin also shows the picture that he took of both harry and lockhart and harry is pleased to discover that the picture harry is also resisting being near lockhart yeah <laughs> it's also a testament to colin's hero worship of harry that he stays even through wood's lecture in the stands and waits for them to come out to take pictures of harry flying imagine being friends with a famous person who has like these kind of crazy fans who are obsessed with him i mean you know that your friend is not worthy of that much attention you have seen like the stupid parts of your friend right that's true and then to, th- to think that someone adores him so much i would like to be in that position to just see how it goes and colin's like swooping around taking pictures and woods immediately suspicious like what's going on said wood frowning as he skimmed through the air toward them why is that first year taking pictures i don't like it he could be a slithering spy trying to find out about our new training program he's in gryffindor said harry quickly And the Slytherins don't need a spy, Oliver," said George. "What makes you say that?" said Wood testily. "Because they're here in person." Isn't it slightly ridiculous that even though Wood booked the pitch, a note from a teacher can supersede a booking? For sure, I think it's a it's a it's a very real thing that happens. Then why even book pitches? Then Wood should just have an eternal note from McGonagall saying that they can take the pitch. McGonagall cannot say specifically that if Slytherins come in, you you don't have to give the pitch to them and all that. <laughs> and what they are saying is, let's share the pitch. And they know that they'll annoy these people enough to like get the pitch for themselves. That's true. That's and they also want to like strategically show off their seeker and uh, scare the Gryffindor team. That's when we find out that that the new Slytherin seeker is Draco Malfoy. Yeah. And that they all have new shiny brooms. Isn't it strange that? even though quidditch is a school sport that the equipment is not given by the school itself 
it's on it makes immediately puts them everybody on an uneven footing right because if you're not rich you can't get a really good broom which means the people you might be playing against if they're super rich they'll win because they have better equipment than you yeah i expect it to happen in any situation where parents take a lot of interest in, in their child's like school life so no there's a difference between taking interest and setting your child up for failure you don't want to give an un- unfair advantage to your child also because within the school he he or she might win but what about in real life i also feel kind of bad for malfoy in the sense that yes his father bought the entire slytherin team brooms but he didn't think that malfoy could make it on his own onto the team because he's young and it's not he does he's not exceptionally talented i don't know if his father even gave him the chance to try out for the team i'm sure he would have tried out by himself as soon as harry became the seeker he couldn't But have because first years are not allowed on the team they are allowed only after second year so i assume even before a tryout could have happened his dad immediately bribed the team so there's no he set his son up for failure also by not giving him the chance to win succeed on his own merits something that you know bothers malfoy a lot because the minute hermione says well no one had to buy their way onto the team he lashes out because he's aware of his own shortcomings and he's aware that compared to someone like hermione who's proven her place in hogwarts mm. by her own hard work and her intelligence that he's there purely by birthright mm. and money yeah true and also the way they are described when gryffindor and uh, slytherin team are like uh, head, head to head, head. Yeah. one of the points that jk rowling makes is that there were no girls on the slytherin team who stood shoulder to shoulder facing the gryffindors leering to a man we are supposed to understand that the slytherins on top of everything are also male chauvinists i think if it as a old way of life versus a new way of life the slytherins are all pure bloods also versus the gryffindors who represent how the world is changing there are women on their team they are not all pure blooded wizards there are blood traitors there are half bloods they they're just a mixture of people they're not there because of privilege they're not there because of legacy they're there on merit she's setting up power struggles in the larger visiting world in mm-hmm. the, even in the way quidditch happens yeah true so once hermione is called mudblood harry doesn't know what it means but based on everybody's it, yeah. reaction he knows that it's something that that's really bad so ron immediately jumps in and he's like eats slugs malfoy the wand thankfully backfires and it's him who gets affected because if it had been malfoy the consequences would have been much worse very true also what kind of insult is eat slugs i think the spell you was about to put will will make you eat slugs or throw up slugs as whatever happens to ron would have happened to man that brings us to the end of today's episode if you'd like to discuss this episode drop a comment on our website mumblewimble.in you can also follow us on twitter i am at underscore empress aishriyas ale under chim Can you spell it out, please? V A L E U N D E C I M. For people who are not familiar with it, what does it mean? It's actually a failed Doctor Who reference. So one of the themes that the tenth Doctor has, especially around his death, is valedictorium, which means farewell ten, right? But farewell ten is already taken on Twitter. So I went for farewell eleven. Undictorium is eleven in Latin. Oh. I thought it meant farewell, not ten. No, <laughs> it's spelled differently. So, ten is D E C E M, and eleven is U N D E C I M. Ah, okay. So yeah, follow us on Twitter. <laughs> In the next episode, we'll be talking about the events leading up to Ron learning about the Chamber of Secrets. That's the rest of Chapter Seven, Mudbloods and Murmurs. Chapter Eight, the Death Day Party, and Chapter Nine, the Writing on the Wall. Thank you for listening. Until the next episode. Pesky Pixie, pester no me.